0: what's up people we are back uh episode 23 the back to school specials i mean i'm pretty sure everybody's back in the buildings uh getting their education on so we're super excited to be back in the lab today um we're gonna do a little bit something different with our check-in today because we have all opened up our building so we're gonna do some some glows and grows kind of just talk about some things that we're proud of in the first couple days a couple weeks of school and there's some things that we kind of really want to work on as the school progresses so uh i'm gonna throw it to DMG first kind of just you know some things that you're proud of. We'll kind of do the grows first or the glows first, and then we'll kind of back around for the grows before we kick into our topic for the day.
1: Absolutely, man. So happy 2021, 22 school year to everybody. Uh Dave McGuire, for those that are new, uh Indianapolis, Indiana, Timley Summit. So we are in our third week of school. So this is our third week of school, second week of instruction. I said the biggest glow is yesterday we had our uh first walkthrough, instructional walkthrough of the year with, with one of our partners, instruction partners. And um, it's, a, it's a zero to four scale on student mastery and rigor, um, standard alignment, just different things like that. And overall instruction, you know, so we scored, we were a two, I coached third, third through sixth grade ELA. So we scored a two, um, which is a growth from end of the year last year, where we ended the year like 1.8 or whatever. Um, and so to start the year at a two is a, is a good starting point for us, especially when you have a building in three, six with uh, four brand new teachers, first year teachers. And so being able to, you know, work with them all summer and then start start the school year like that. So that's the biggest glow for me. And then the kids are happy and I'm fully staffed, knock on wood. So those are the major glows right now uh, from the school year, man. But, but excited to be back in school for sure. So, Mr. Bark, what's up, man? I ain't seen you in about a month. So,
0: uh, what's what's some of the glows that you got at your building?
2: Yeah, man, it is it is good to see y'all. It's good to be back with you. Uh, there's so many, and and it's a lot of little things. But I think one of the biggest glows for us is we established a new mission statement. We had, we looked at that mission statement that we had previously, and it was really just a bunch of bullet points, more so a vision than uh, than a mission. So we revised that and we have been focused on that. Uh, mission here at Iron Horse Middle School is to educate, uh, inspire, and empower our students in a safe and equitable learning environment. And it really aligns up with our new strategic direction here in our district. Uh, that social emotional wellness, that safety, all those things are prime focus of rebuilding uh, relationships because we've got kids that haven't been on campus for a year and a half. So our sixth graders are are, are more like fourth graders on campus and, and and so on and so forth. But it is great having them back on campus and it's great with the staff. I mean, <laughs> there's so many different new things that we're doing and established through these COVID protocols, but it is just great to be. We, we had our, our second staff meeting this is week three for us we had our second staff meeting just a few minutes ago that we finished up and you know, teachers love to be fed so we fed them and uh it, it, it's it's good to be back on campus so happy new year to everyone
0: uh so for me man like I said, it's it's oh my god it's so many that i could i could really name so I'm, I'm gonna hit on just a couple and then i'm gonna get into one that's really good first our back to school badge so we did um, our first annual barbecue back to school bash and uh I'm gonna be real like we did a lot of planning and prep for it and the night before um I was kind of nervous and then the, the morning of I'm like man what if don't nobody show up like, we done did all this work, you know, did all this work or whatever. And we had, like, 400 people, um, you know, of our community that showed up. You know, students got registered. Um, they got, you know, free and reduced lunch applications done, make sure they were enrolled in classes, got technology agreements signed. You know, we fed them. We had the Kona ice truck out. I mean, it was, like, just a big old block party. So, I mean, that's something I was super geeked about. I'm looking forward to kind of continue to expand upon in the coming years. Um, but that was a major thing. I, I feel like we're a little bit behind the A-bar because y'all been in school for three weeks. This is our first week. Uh, back so this today was day three for us. So, y'all in three weeks, we in three days. Um, but the biggest uh glow that I want to talk about is my APs. Y'all know last year, you know, I went through some AP turmoil. Uh, and but the AP team that I got this year is, I mean, super super dope. I mean, when you got people on your team that you can literally like hand something off to. And it gets done, and you don't have to micromanage that process. Um, and it comes out better than what you expected it to. is amazing. So my APs, um, like I said, big shout out to them, uh, Mr. Moore and Miss Williams. Uh, Mr. Moore was one of my APs for my first year, who went over to the high school last year, and then Miss Williams was one, my sub AP last year. So now I got both of them full time on my team, and you know we we rocking it out. Uh, so that's something I'm super geeked about to kind of continue to grow this school year with. Um, so so let's just jump into you know some things that we want to you know some grow some things that we kind of really want to work on. And continue to uh to get better at um and then one of the things that i for me is i'll kind of start this one off is is really um continue to have better communication with parents um i know that you're not going to be able to make every parent happy you're not going to be able to appease every single parent um but really just have it, at least letting them have be have a voice you know sometimes i think i'm a big believer that a lot of times parents just want to be heard they may they don't want you to try to fix their problem. They don't want you, you know, to to try to turn, you know, turn things around or do things differently just for their kid, but they just want to be heard. Um, and it, you know, there's a couple of parents who didn't agree with some of the decisions we made um as a district one coming back in person, then even like our virtual option, where p- parents have to apply this year to be virtual and there's a criteria that they have to meet. And then the principal pretty much has final say so um in that process. Um, so I had about 20 applicants um out of my 600 students we only had 20 applications of kids that wanted to go virtual um and out of that 20 we only approved two of them um so that 18 you know out of that 18 15 of them were okay with like okay we get it we understand uh three of them nearly didn't you know wasn't happy about it and they went out on facebook and you know did their thing on facebook to try to bring it out but it was kind of it was it was really good to see other parents kind of stepping in and kind of, you know, having my back like, hey, you know, we know what Dr. Smith, we've been working with him for two years now. You know, he's doing what's best and the best. of your child. So, you know, to have that kind of community support when the one parent's trying to bash you, I was feeling good, but really just trying to make sure that I'm I'm letting every parent have a voice in our, you know, what we're doing in the building is something I want to continue to grow in. So what about you, Ball? So
2: it, it's been an interesting start so far. Um, I'm sorry, man. I just, uh, I just hired my, uh, my final master. Uh, today I got the call. And uh, so that's been a process, having subs come in to uh, the classroom and start off the school year. is never what you want as a principal. And I have a, a science position that I'm trying to fill as well. And it's just really hard to, to support your staff when they, when they got to do a lot of heavy lifting. And uh, so that, that's one of the things that we are, are dealing with here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are schools all around the country that are are doing the same, uh, managing the same types of things when it comes to um, we're short sped staff, we're short um, our um team is good, but we're short, child nutrition. We're, we're short campus supervisors. And so it's really, it's really been um, an interesting challenge. But I'm super proud of my teams for stepping up. I mean, that it's a it's a grow, but it's also a glow, because uh, folks step up. But at the same time, I, I don't want my teams burnt out. You know, we're three weeks in, and uh, and folks are starting to feel tired already. So I'm trying to figure out what I can do to Support my teams and and hopefully get us fully staffed. I've been reaching out to parents and uh, got some parents that are interested in helping come help support. So, um, you know, just just troubleshooting like like we do as educators. You yeah. know, when the <laughs> when the lesson falls apart, you you make it happen the best way you can. And uh, that, I think that's one of the big lessons that um, we we have to learn and understand as as school leaders.
1: I just need to know y'all gonna have my back, like Doctor Smith's parents have his back when I say what I'ma say. All right. Y'all gonna have my back? Hey, we got you. We got you. We got you, baby. We got you. We got you. So you, so, so the growth for me, it, it's simple. Look, at some point, we got to get back to talking about whether kids can read, write, and compute math, right? So my growth is, I need for. Our community, our education community, and shout out to the eight black hands that's going to be in Indianapolis that's going to bring the heat. Let me just put that out there real quick. That we got to start having conversation about what kids didn't learn last year and how we're going to expedite that learning. Like how we're going to close that gap. And my growth is everyone understanding this national emergency we're in, that we lost a year and a half, basically. If you count the year before and last year and things like that, because everyone rightfully so was thinking about health and well being, and we should still as well. But part of that health and well-being is people being able to learn. So my biggest growth right now is I'm trying to get my staff to understand we're in this national emergency, right? And Chris talks about a lot from A-Black Hands, how are the children? Mate, our kids aren't well, because our kids ain't learned nothing. And we, I need teachers to understand that, yes, we are trying to keep kids safe, we're trying to keep you safe, but we need to be teaching. We need to be holding parents accountable, holding kids accountable, holding ourselves accountable, for doing right by kids, which is educating them. And so my grow this year is, is trying, right now is, getting everyone to understand that yes we are in the instruction and that's what our focus is we have 99.9 percent of our kids in the building and so there's no excuse this year for me you know I, I feel like we we last as long as we did last year and that's when teachers not really vaccinated and I, I i it's safe to say i think 98 percent of my staff is vaccinated right um we are doing everything we can to keep everybody safe so there's no excuses this year for kids not learning kids not learning I, I put my job on the line. I told my boss, look, if we don't make the growth we need to, I'll resign. You won't have to fire me. Because at some point, that's the type of accountability we got to have. So that's my growth. We we got to get back to learning.
0: So please just shoot me. Oh no. <laughs> oh no, that that I mean, that's definitely uh, a perfect segue into our topic. You know, it says so the, the, the episode 23 is the back to school special. And basically, what we wanna do with this episode is we wanna look at basically the four major stakeholders in the school. We want to look at administrators, principals, vice principals. We want to look at teachers. We want to look at students and we want to look at parents. And we want to just provide some, some, some helpful hints, you know, things that they need to be looking for, some goals that you should be setting for yourself and really just kind of, you know, throw out some things that you should be looking for or doing this school year. So like David said, to, to, to catch up on that learning, to expedite the learning that your kid needs to have. Um, And like I said, I, I talked about, you know, the, the uh, virtual learning that our application that our parents had to fill out. And one of the big things I based it on was where did your kid score on iReady? If your kid is going to seventh grade and they're reading on a third grade level, virtual learning ain't going to work for them. It, it's not, you know what I'm saying? They're not going to be able to fill in those gaps and those things like that. And I had to, you know, I had to have those real conversation with parents like, Hey, it's not that I don't think that COVID's is not real. And I don't think that, you know, your family might be in danger, but everybody family that comes in this building gonna be in danger. But your kid is reading on a third grade level and they're in the eighth grade. There's nothing that your kids gonna do on the computer on their own because virtual learning for us don't look like it looked last year. It's a lot of asynchronous work that's gonna be going on with virtual learning. So how do we fill in those gaps? So um so basically we want to really just like talk about so start out just with the administrators as administrators, talking to principals, vice principals, what are some things that they need to be doing that we need to be doing this school year in order to, like David said, expedite the learning that needs to take place so that our students can get um, the education that they deserve. So, for me, um, one of the first things I'm going to jump into is, is, you know, the thing I always talk about, like, you have to be that instructional leader. You have to be that instructional leader. You have to be in classrooms. Uh, One of the things I got from David last year that I'm doing this year, we do on-the-spot coaching. So, if I walk in your room and you you explaining something wrong, I'm stopping you mid-lesson, and I'm correcting you on the spot. Like, Because I, I don't have time for you to go back tomorrow make up that 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 messed up information that you gave that kid. So we laid the foundation with our teachers from day one. We're doing on-the-spot coaching this school year. So if I come in your room or my APs come in your room and you are going left, we're going to bring you back right in the middle of that lesson. We're going to do it in a respectable manner. You know what I'm saying? We're not trying to call you out like that. It might be simply by asking a question. It might be asking, hey, can you clarify a point? Um, or if it's to the point where you way left, you know, we might've just jump in and kind of bring it, you know, bring it back in there, hand it back off to you. So that's the thing that I'm saying as a, as a principal administrator, vice president, whatever role you, you plan to run the building is you have to be at the forefront of instruction, but then also don't think that you have to do the work by yourself. So we went out and we partnered with learning science international and they're coming in and helping us as school leaders, um, they came first. Well, first they came in did some PD with our teachers. It's a three part series. They did the first one last week, and then they're coming next week to really walk the building with me and my APs, so we can go into classrooms and so that we know what to look for. And then also, how do we undergird to help our teachers with those things that they gave them, those tools they gave them? So it's not just a one and done PD, but it's really how do we continue to grow and keep this embedded in the process? So, uh, so as an administrator, my, my my tip to you this school year is you got to be in classrooms. The paperwork can wait to after after hours, but you got to be in classrooms during that time when students are in the building
1: i take a stab at that. Look, Dr. Smith, you talked about real-time feedback, right? How important that is, stopping teachers at the point of error. If you're making a mistake, why am I going to wait until the coaching meeting the next day so you can teach a concept grown to kids? And you know that better than anybody as a math teacher, right? That that, that, that That's so key in math, but that's been our biggest push lately, right? Like on-the-spot feedback, real-time feedback, stopping at the point of error, right? Doing it in a respectful way. So the question asks, what does on the spot coaching look like? What if teachers are not receptive? Well, I think one, you built that relationship upfront, right? So what type of coach have you been? Have you always had coaching? Have you established what coaching and feedback will be like for your teachers? So you got to know your teachers. Some teachers prefer you. It's okay. I can interject in the middle of your lesson, or there's the whiteboard, right? I'm going to be in the back of the room, holding up the whiteboard, or I'm going to do the subtle cue where I raise my hand, and I'll pretend like I'm a student and pose the question because I'm getting you thinking. You should ask it this way, right? There's different ways that you can do it, but it's all about the relationship you have with your teacher. But teachers will be receptive if you if you're coaching, if you've been coaching leading up to that. So our biggest push this year as an admin as an admin is making sure that we're constantly coaching teachers. We are constantly in the classrooms. I told my APs because it's something that uh, my boss said to me. If I find you in my office, I'm gonna take your keys and change the lock, and you're not gonna get to go in there. You better pull up a desk either in the hallway or be moving in our rooms. You should be in your desk. We're not that type of school. We don't have that luxury. We don't have 80 90% proficiency. If we have 80 90% proficiency, then cool, be in your office. But right now where we're at in this national emergency, we need to be in classrooms providing feedback, ensuring teachers are providing feedback for scholars at the point of error and immediately making a change. So my push this year, admin, is be in those classrooms. Be meeting with your teachers. be constantly. Doing that ongoing process of coaching and providing feedback.
2: So for me, I, I would say you echo those those sentiments with to be an instructional leader. But I also, you know, I, I am in a in a spot where our, our kids do you know we we've got the, those high proficiency levels, and so one of the things that we're trying to do is just build back our um, community, build back our community. I've mentioned it in our previous episodes that it's, uh, we, we had several of our teachers, a majority of our teachers were able to teach remotely last year and only had a handful come back. And so, you know, build, building that culture. And I know, Dr. Uh, that- you've mentioned in in previous episodes like that's not you know fully part of our job we should be instructional leaders and you're absolutely right but that culture component is is, is huge too uh, I don't have a huge admin staff so it's me uh, my AP and we got an MTSS uh, liaison um, that's, that's a 1.0 for us so that's that makes up our admin team and you know we're really trying to just keep keep everyone together bring bring back this community uh, we had a, we had a strong staff. Uh, you know, prior to the pandemic, uh, lots of uh, activities within the staff, but, you know, just br- bringing that back because I think, you know, healthy staff is going to provide that healthy environment for our students. And so... Not to say that instructional leadership is on the back burner because it's not, it is a priority, but making sure that we are, you are taking care of your teachers and your, and your whole staff. I mentioned that the, the grow that I have is trying to figure out how to support because we're sh- short in so many different areas. So that, that's my main priority. And I think that admin that I interact with are the same types of things. Um, but, you know, also taking care of your staff, but take care of yourself, too. Uh, that is hugely important because as I tell my staff um, if you're if you're not good if you're not healthy then what good are you to to the students that you show that you see every single day so so that wellness component is really important to me and I hope that other administrators are doing what they need. just just check in with your folks if it's during their prep period go go check in on them see how they're doing if there's anything that they need um, you know besides those you know that coaching just the, those check
0: huge.
1: I gotta go. Hold go on. Ahead, Let dad. me jump
0: in real quick because 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 Unc uh, flashed up there, and I think Monique hit it on on the head. Uh, I, you know, I'm big on instructional leadership, but that when well, she said good culture is vital for solid instruction to happen. Like I think that instructional piece is a part of the culture. Y'all know I'm all about celebrating my teacher. Matter of fact, Final Friday is this Friday. We bring Final <laughs> Friday back. Final Friday is this Friday. Love it. We gonna be at Hula Hands oh. and Lee Summit for happy hour from four to seven. The entire GMS staff. We coming. So, uh, but. I think that culture piece, you know, it, it goes with the instructional leadership piece. But I, and, you know, our first priority in my building is relationships. So um, so that's the piece. Like, I think what you and kind of David both kind of put together is that you have to have that relationship in place to do that on the spot coaching. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to take, you know, make sure you t- you're care for your teachers outside the classroom so that when you do have those tough conversations with them about what's going on in the classroom, they are receptive. Because if you're always trying to constantly beat them down or constantly correct them, but never build them up. Or never kind of talk to them about stuff going on outside the classroom, then that's going to tear down that culture that you're trying to build, which then aids in the instruction that's going to happen. So, uh, and, I, and I'm like David, so I see. I'm trying to, you know, trying to sometimes throw shade with the happy hour during COVID.
1: Ninety-five uh, <laughs> <95% laughs> percent of my staff is vaccinated, so we good. Hey, I, I look. So I got a question, but shout out to the folks that are that are tuning in. And again, if, if you don't not following us, Engage Podcast One on Twitter. Subscribe to the YouTube page, the Engage Podcast, and like us on Facebook. I see Monique. I see my boy, Alan Mickens. Shout out to my boy, Alan Mickens. Just got his first principal job. Uh, Shout out to his twin brother, Aaron, who just completed his uh, doctorate. So he's now Dr. Aaron Mickens. And I know Alan's coming up, so shout out to y'all. Here's my question, Bob, and it's for you. And anybody else that's listening, Doc, you can jump in too. How do you balance teacher wellness and I need your ass teaching? Right, because we at twenty-five percent proficiency, you know. So I'm struggling with that because like I'm in this this fight of like, look, my kids, I got kids that can't read in fourth and fifth grade. And I you know, I got new kindergartners that are second graders, as you mentioned, you have sixth graders who are fourth grade. I got second graders that basically are kindergartners, honestly, if truthfully, right? They miss half their kindergarten and they were virtual all of first grade. How do you balance? Yes, I want you to be, I care about you and your social, emotional, and wellness. But man, we got to get these kids reading. This is the pre- profession that we picked, and this is a bottom line profession. So how do you balance that? Because I'm struggling with that. I, I'm gonna be honest. I am struggling with having that sympathy and trying to be caring. Because I need I need folks teaching.
2: Yeah, I think you have to have a plan. It, it's got to be extremely intentional on your your behalf. I mean, you you you're the we're we're the leaders of our schools for a reason because we we and we don't figure out these things. On our own, I think we have to uh, tap into who our people are. We got to know who they are, what they can do. You know, sometimes we stretch them a little, we pull back. I think that's that's the sign of a leader is when you're able to read your folks, understand what they can do, um, and put those interventions in place for your staff, coach them so that they they know that you know them, and you're willing to do the work as well. Uh, I I think, just like you said, you know, you can't be, um, you know, negative and pounding them all the time. There's got to be a balance and you got to figure out how to speak to some folks because some folks need that. They need that push. They want that push. Others aren't there yet. And so it's a delicate balance and you have to figure your people out.
0: I think for me, uh, there's there's not a one size fits all plan that's going to work. The big thing for me, though, is. If there's a time and a place for everything. You know what I'm saying? When it's time to have fun, we're going to have fun and we're going to do it big. But from 810 to 310, I need you going hard in classrooms. You know what I'm saying? I need you. When we sit in data meetings, I need you to be tuned in. I need you to be dialed into what's going on. We sit here talking about student data and we're talking about interventions or we're talking about social emotional learning lessons and things like that. Or we're talking about how you're going to teach this lesson next week or we're in a PLC session. I need you to be tuned in at that time. And then outside of those times, you know, OK, when the 310 bell ring, we're just sitting in that hallway after dismissal, joking around, playing around. Or if it's lunchtime, we in the cafeteria having a good time, you know, doing the one ship challenge, which I don't advise anybody to do. Uh, but, you know, what I'm saying you got to find those moments, you know, to kind of build there. And like, like uh, boss said, it's almost that like sometimes you got to take five steps forward, but then take a, one or two steps back. And then five steps forward, one or two steps back. You kind of, you know, you got to be able to kind of work the throttle and know where to push and pull people at in that process. But the one thing that we really talked about this school year in, in, in the first day when I laid the foundation is when we're in a meeting or we're in the classroom, everything needs to be intentional. I need you to be dialed into what's going on in that moment. I don't need you in your classroom sitting at your desk, you know, shopping. Or I don't need you trying to plan, you know, lesson plan when you are supposed to be in front of kids teaching. That's what you got a planning period for. So you need to be intentional in your day, and I need to be intentional in giving you the time and space to do those other things that need to be done. So that's the big thing like I said is just it's trying to find being intentional and in everything that we do in the building and knowing what the purpose is that we're trying to accomplish.
1: We putting that on a shirt. Go hard from eight ten to three ten.
0: It's about to be your right. shirt. <laughs> so, uh. So, so the other piece I think is, is that I would I would throw out there to administrators because we talked about the instructional instruction. We talked about culture. And, this, you know, this has been a big push of mine is, is also is is you got to bring your parents on board. and Y'all know we did the whole show about and then we created the whole platform with engaging, you know, engaging parents is you have to have parents on board. Because if we are gonna really, like I said, accelerate the learning, it's not going to happen just from ten to 310. It's not. We're going to need kids doing stuff outside of You know, normal school hours, whether that be through our link program, you know, we even talked about, you know, putting in some study halls for our athletic programs, but when they're getting home and the big thing I tell my parents is like, really, all I want you to do with your kids when they get home is read, read with your kids. You know what I'm saying? Help your kids develop that reading standard and things like that. Ask those comprehension questions. And then in our math program, we have parent packets or family packets that we send home. Just sit down for 15, 20 minutes, have a conversation with your kid, go through the family packet um, to really accelerate that learning process. So really bringing parents on board, not just for bake sales or to run, run you know, the athletics or to do concessions, but how do we partner with them truly to have them involved in the educational process is something I think administrators need to find a way to do um, in that process. So, And that's going to be depending on what, you, where you, what your foundation is already. But you have to bring parents on board when it comes to the educational process and not just all the extracurriculars.
1: Right before this show, I had a uh, I had my first peak meeting tonight. So peak is our is our school based uh, parent organization. Uh, parents educating uh, parents alongside parents educa- and educators alongside kids. And our, our our model this year is bridging the gap between home and school. And so the thing we talked about today was we kind of set precedents for our committees and uh, had parents sign up for the committee. So there's the academic committee where we're talking about our new. Ah, uh, grading policy. Our leadership committee, which is talking about like our new leadership programs in grades K through five, how we're building ambassadors with our students. Our service committee, which is pushing for getting our community service things and, and service projects in the school, and then our community committee, which is focused on our community partners and having parent parents sign up for those committees. But one of the things we also talked about is I was letting them know, you know, about different processes. So our dismissal has been like a story all year about a new dismissal process because we don't have buses so our parents pick up and drop off and with covid we're not letting parents come into the building so we got this whole you know line of cars and we do the whole who you here to get and buzz you know radio and men or whatever and our parents we we strategize about that today so they want to implement the the car system where the, the names on the card and it goes in the windshield and we do it that way but this is all built by parents and so that piece would peak today, man. We, we had 12 parents, but we had, I had 12 dedicated parents that's ready to do the work this year to bridge that gap between home and school. And I one parent is offering a carpool service. So that parent piece is important. And I, I do know that, that if we're going to move the needle and move the scores for children, it's got to be a partnership between the school and the parents. Because if that relationship isn't strong, everything that you do when you go hard from 8'10 to 3'10", can get undone if the parent's not bought in, bought in. But if the parent is bought in, then they can reinforce the importance of reading, the importance of doing the uh, fact fluency, the importance of doing letter sounds, sight words, the imp- importance of making sure they get their 20 minutes on Lexia or Zern or Moby Max or whatever that technology base is. Making sure kids are getting a good night's sleep and eating a good dinner and a, and a healthy breakfast and getting to school on time. But you're not gonna get that if you don't have a relationship with the parents. I don't know any successful school that didn't have buy-in from parents. And so I think that's definitely a lever you gotta pull.
2: Yeah, and and I'll I'll continue on with that parent piece, uh, the fact in my, in my community, our, our parents are huge resources. Um, you know, our, our, our parents raise a lot of funds in order to help us reduce our class sizes, and they come out and they volunteer. They want to be involved in their students' uh, ex- learning experience, and so you have to tap into that. We have to tap into that. We have to rely on that. I've it, I've, I've been proactive in my communication over the summer, and I'm getting a lot of parent feedback, and I'm really appreciative. And like I said, I'm filling gaps. I think our our parents run out issues, but at the same time, I have parents that are are willing to step up and fill in the gap. And uh, just understanding where you are and what you can get, you know, not just get from your parents, but partner with them and utilize them as a resource you can't go wrong there. And and it comes to academics. It comes to um, the the community building. It it comes to the culture that you're setting uh, for your students. And, uh, you know, I I know some folks that that shy away from engaging parents just because they don't want to deal with the headaches that can come with parents. But if we're not engaging with our parents, then just like you said, we're missing a huge component of our students, their lives and everything that we do. From eight fifteen to three fifteen can get undone, and you know we have, we have parents that are on different, and they you know they may not be able to do all the things that we want or we expect. But um, I, I would say just spending time with your kid is is a huge um, component, and just showing them in whatever way you can that their education is important, that that's going to go a long way.
1: Can I just say both of y'all get out of school at three o'clock?
0: 245
1: Bro, we get out. Of- and we start at 7 30 what
0: you know what i call that wow what, that
1: what are we doing?
0: that's that charter school life
1: <laughs> what are we doing in the next nap- hey man listen if you listen uh indianapolis we gotta we gotta have a discussion about amount of school that should be a show what is the appropriate amount how long should school be for certain grade levels like i'm elementary k5 and what K-6. is the
0: appropriate what is the appropriate start time
1: what go. is the appropriate that's, that's, start time? That's a whole. That's two shows. That's let's put that on the docket for this school year. <laughs> so, so I do
0: want to run it. So we, we said we're going to speak to all the stakeholders. So we kind of talk about parents. Let's kind of jump over to parents and just speak to parents. So we talked about as administrators, what should we be doing with the parent connect? But as a parent, what what advice can we give parents and what they should be doing? What I'm a, what I'm going to start out with is, I need parents to put pressure on schools this year. I need parents mm-hmm. to to find out like. It's my I got a seventh grader. At the end of the seventh grade year in math, what, is my kid, what should my kid know? And in ELA, what should my kid know? In social studies, what should my kid know? Know exactly what your kid should know. And then every week or at least every month, you need to be having a conversation with your kid and that teacher about, as my kid progressing towards that, are you providing the lessons and the activities to make sure my kid is tracking in the right direction? Like that's the, what I need parents to do is to put the pressure on that school to make sure they're educating your kid. To, and know exactly at the end of the year here's the 20 things I need my kid to know and how does this activity you got my kid doing tonight leading them toward that towards that end go? listen I need
1: man that is I told a parent last year I said you asking the teacher what grade my kid got in reading instead of asking is my child on pace to be at grade level like we gotta but but we have the obligation to train to educate to inform parents, Man, that grade is subjective. If if your kids show up every day and smiles and sits in a star and raises their hand and puts something on paper, I'm gonna give them a bump if they need it. That don't mean they read no grade level. You should be asking, you said in the beginning of the year that my child needs to go from a level B to a level D. Well, I noticed that they're still at a at a B, right? Why are they not progressing? What where's my child at in, in relation to their reading go? Those are the questions that we that we need parents to ask. But we as a school have to do that. So I tell my teachers, look, when you're sitting and talking with parents, at parent teacher conference, make the grade the last thing you talk about. Just give them the paper. Oh, by the way, here's their grades. You need to talk about this is where your child started. Beginning of year, Dibbles and TRC. It's the middle of the year. This is where they where they should be. And this is where they are now. We, this is what we've noticed in the progress monitoring. And now we need to, we're putting these things in place. This is what they're doing in success period. Like, those need to be the conversations. We're talking about whether or not my kid did my kid get a B? Parents asking about grades, man, those grades are subjective. I know plenty of schools. Mine was included until we made a change that kids were on honor roll but couldn't read. How? How, Sway? How's that?
0: They brought, they brought extra boxes of tissue.
1: Right. And, and, and sanitizer wipes. So I gave you five points because you did the supply list.
2: Oof, please don't talk about extra credit, man. Like,
1: Golly. Like, how we give it, I'm gonna give the kids extra credit, Mr. McGuire. What? Extra credit?
0: They ain't got the regular credit.
1: <laughs> right. I should get extra right. credit on my paycheck, right? Like <laughs> it's, it's so, but but again, where does that happen? That happens a lot of times in schools, predominantly with students of color, right? Because we want to fluctuate our grades. So, again, I, I, it's the same thing with, with teacher evaluations. I know I'm jumping off, but how you got to build it for the 80% of effective teachers, yet you got 20% of your kids at proficiency? How, Sway? Like, I, I don't get it, but it's the same thing. So, again, those are the, we need to be coaching and educating parents and informing parents like, Mom, you're asking the wrong question. Ask me where your child is. And if they don't ask, then you just tell them. Mom, the grade is the not important. What's important is we got to get your child to this part
0: and that's also and that's one of the the changes we made i said you know we went through the whole switching over to standards reference grading this you know this year and this summer at our curriculum camp we wrote proficiency scales for pretty much all four of our core subjects and all of our power standards uh our priority standards so basically when we sit down at conferences when that does come but i would hope that we're having those conversations with teachers prior to conferences but saying okay on this in this standard your kid is approaching or your kid is exceeding or your kid is meeting and if they're approaching here's what your kid needs to do to move to the next level and have those learning targets broken down for them and be very transparent about it. i think that's the piece that schools are scared to do so when we get ready to take this i ready test in two weeks when we get those scores back yeah we're gonna we're we gonna post them in the facebook group this is where we at as a school and if you want to know exactly where your kid is at i need you to reach out to their bulldog challenge teacher they're gonna tell you exactly where your kid is at what grade level they're on and we're gonna talk to you about a plan on how we plan on moving them by the winter and then by uh the end of the school year
2: I think that's so real, Doc. That transparency thing is key. Like, it shouldn't be hard for a parent to understand where their student needs to be at the end of the school year. If we can't articulate that as educators, what are we doing? Or are we playing games? I mean, that—that's something hard for for me to 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 grapple with is the fact that we don't include our, our families in this process intentionally. You know, whether we put it on our website or, or Facebook or whatever the case is, like, I should know where my, my student is going. And if we're not, you know, if, if I'm not communicating that as a principal, if my teachers aren't communicating that to families, what are we doing? Are we just showing up and figuring things out as we go? Like, we, we have to be intentional. We have to be purposeful. We have to be transparent in that communication. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be hard. Like, I, sh- I should know where, where my kids are supposed to be. Um, when as a, as a parent, uh,
1: listen. I'm, I just, Bob, you made me think of when you was talking about parents, and it, it took me back to the conversation about the admin piece. Another thing that we should be doing. and I'm jumping back. If you not, let me say this: if your teachers have to do a lesson plan, because I, I know some schools <laughs> that lesson plans don't exist, so I'm not going to rational you know, generalize that to everybody. But if your teachers do a lesson plan, and you don't give the teacher feedback on the lesson plan before they teach or your teachers aren't practicing or looking at the lesson plan before they teach, then what are we doing? Like I make our teachers turn in lesson plans two two weeks ahead because we have a feedback cycle for lesson plans. So they submit the lesson plan. I give them feedback. They have to make revisions. And then I have to look at the revisions and then I sign off on it. And then they have to practice the lesson plan that they got the most feedback on in a practice clinic on Friday during PD. Now, not everyone has that type of makeup, but there should be some makeup where you can give teachers feedback on lessons. Like teachers shouldn't be just walking into school talking about, yep, today I'm going to do this. Or they just pulling out a lesson plan or teachers pay teachers, which this is another show. But <laughs> we need to be giving lesson plan feedback. But the And it, it sparked it when the comment came up about a rubric and somebody made a comment about t- parents asking about The writing samples. Right. We got to provide parents with rubrics. Right. If you give a homework assignment, I need to tell the parent and the kid, this is what I'm grading for. Right. I'm looking. So if you do race, you know, restate, answer, cite, explain, whatever you need to send that rubric home for the parents. And there should have been some type of parent university explaining when we do. When we cite test evidence, we use race. They restate. They, you know, they answer the question, they cite and they explain. They should know these things so then they can help their child when they get this type of things home. Like, I, that's what we need to be doing. But instead, we just send the kids home with a homework assignment and then we get mad at the parent when it, or the kid and the parent when they don't get done. But what guidance did you pay? Did you send a weekly syllabus to let them know that this is the homework for the week? No, you probably didn't because you just pull a homework out your ass because today, you know what, I'm going to give homework today.
0: I, I want to know who are these schools that ain't requiring lesson plans. Oh, I, I got
1: some names. Y'all want
0: them? I, yeah, I, I just don't understand how you function without a plan before you walk into that building. <laughs> like, I just, yeah.
1: You'd be surprised.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, boy, yeah. what, what, what's your thoughts on lesson plans, boy? Let's, let's, <laughs> talk, let's talk about lesson plans. I'm, you know? I'm dumbfounded by that one. <laughs>
2: You know, it's 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 interesting, man. I, I I think in in places where the expectations are high and the students perform really really well, teachers there there are teachers that walk in and uh, let me pull this. I, I I'm not talking from personal experience, but. <laughs> I think it exists out there where <laughs> where folks just walk in that morning and this is the direction that we're going and, and, and oh you know, it it speaks to the climate and culture in a school building in a school district and that, that's that's something that that has to be changed like if, if if we're administrators and we're not holding that level of accountability like it, i I've, I've never been in a school i mean you know my i, I spent eight years in a school and and you, you okay so i'm gonna contradict what you just said i've never been in a school where it was required for me to show my lesson plans a teacher to show lesson plans
1: I,
0: but you, I, but I, you had to ha- hold on but you had to have them though I had to have them. I had I had to have lesson
2: plans, but like I didn't have to turn them in. So, so I got weekly. I got a follow up
0: question. I'm gonna let you finish. But like, so I got a follow up question to that. No it,
1: but, statement.
2: And, and, and I tell you and I tell you what. In 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 a couple of those schools, like we should have been some plans. That,
1: that's the point. I'm that's it right there. That's the point but, I'm trying to make. Yep. Yeah? So my yeah. question is: If you
0: were in a school. That requires you to turn in lesson plans, but you don't re- receive any feedback. Is there any point in turning the lesson plans? No. There you
2: go. That's that's that's, that's absolutely the, that's the correct. Point. So, requiring but, and, and I was going to ask that. is
0: only one piece. Yes. Like, and if so you're that's, not giving feedback, right? What's the
2: point, and that's and and because and because of that experience, I was going to ask David, like, how do you build that into your schedule? Because as, as an administrator, I've n- I've never required that teachers turn in lesson plans because I'm, I'm not going to do anything with them like, unless it's built into my day or. My plan, which is again, as an administrator in the schools that I've been an administrator, it's, that's never been a thing.
1: All and right, so maybe, look,
2: and it and it should be.
1: And it should be. So let me tell. So this is a perfect show. Today is Wednesday. I was in a desk in the hallway because I don't sit in my office much at all, if ever. Giving lesson plan feedback, and and somebody will walk in and be like, "Well, you're not in the classroom," and I will flip my computer around, and say. These are teachers lesson plans that they're going to teach the week of september 7th it is august 25th if i'm giving feedback on lesson plans from september 7th can you imagine the type of internalization the type of practice the type of feedback the type of how much better these lesson plans are going to be when they actually teach them that but, but again, that's what we are as a school because it's a it's a it's a goddamn national emergency. And I don't even know if we're a custom so show but Let, me, custom so let me
0: let me push back on that though, because we, we review less and I'll talk about my plan in a second. But let me push back. So this is the week of August the 25th. So you already looking at plan, say for September the 14th.
1: Yeah. Like how do you know where your kids gonna be? Right. At that
2: was gonna be my question.
1: That but like, that's why you do it two this, weeks in advance, because you're constantly it doesn't mean I look at it and then it sits on the shelf. Because as, as a teacher, if I'm giving you... And we're talking about feedback, but see, this is where you have to create a feedback cycle of what are the highest levels? What levels are you looking for? So if you identify timestamps, engagement strategy, turning tasks, think pair shares, whatever, you're looking at those pieces and a possible misconception because now I'm looking at the back pocket questions. So if there's a question that's asked in the, in the text, right, I have to put in the back pocket question because what do I do if the students don't know that? You see a lot of teachers that have a question... You have a plan until you get punched in the face. And punched in the face is, I'm going to ask these questions, and now you got crickets. Well, what's your back pocket question? The teachers don't have them because they haven't planned them. You do all that work now and put it in place now. When you get to the data piece, when it comes to Agmo, that's real time because you're creating your laps, and you're identifying your codes, and you're doing all those things. But I'm talking about back pocket question, timestamps, unpacking the standards, what students should know, what students should be able to show. That stuff takes time. And you're practicing, what are the key teacher moves? How am I going to frame this question? When is the right time to do a turner talk? When is the right time to have kids just stop and jot? Like it's those things that, that you're doing right now. As we get closer in the practice clinic, we do that the Friday before they teach those lessons. We have Friday PD every Friday. Our kids get out at 1.30, 2.30 to 4.30 is PD every Friday. We do a practice clinic in the rotation. So if your lesson plans are up to date, you're in lesson plan internalization. If you have bad culture, you're doing systems and procedures. If you're good on those two, then you're in a practice clinic, and you're taking those lessons and you're teaching them, and you're getting feedback because you're going to roll those out in the next week. That's the that's our cycle. I see that's that's why y'all at school
0: from seven to five is because y'all let kids go home early on Friday. That's why y'all at school so late. Y'all let kids go home early on Friday, so it makes sense now. I, I get it now. You know what I'm saying? So uh, our process, uh, our process works like it's pretty much. Uh, we have three phases to planning. We have the long range plan, which is pretty much the plan for the quarter. Here's what I plan to do for the entire quarter spelled out by the uh, learning objective for those weeks. Then what we do is they have POC meetings every Monday and the POC meetings So, like, for example, this Monday coming up, that POC meeting is planning for what is the standards that we're going to teach the following week? And they look at the four correlated questions. What do we want kids to know? How do, What do we do if they know it? What do we do if they don't know it? And then how do we assess them? So basically, those are the four things that they kind of talk about in POCs and make sure they got those lined out. Then from there, they build out their lesson plans for the week. So basically, by the end of the week, here's what I need kids to know. So here's how I you know, make sure I scaffold you know, that backwards design to make sure I got there. So I have four people in my, my instructional leadership team. It's me, my two APs, and my instructional coach. Just so happened that things worked out great this year because I taught math. One of my APs taught social studies. The other one taught science. And my instructional coach is an English teacher. So basically, we basically take those four areas. Teachers have to turn in lesson plans before they leave at 3.30 on Friday. And we give them lesson plan feedback by Sunday, Sunday by noon. So, so we basically take the weekend to review those lesson plans and then give them feedback on what's what's coming up for that week coming up. So, you know, if you're going to do, you know, are you going to assess kids on Tuesday and here's what your objective was, but your assessment doesn't align with what your objective or here's my do now activity. where well, your do now activity doesn't lead into what your, your primary lesson is going to be about. So we're looking at what is the alignment of the activity to that? And then what is the strategy that you're going to use to teach that? How are you introducing this topic to it? Do you you have the right technique? So we're giving up feedback uh, in that process. And that's what kind of, like I said, the PD that we're doing this year with with my leadership team is really how do you give true feedback on lesson plans so that activities are aligned, so that strategies are aligned, and techniques are aligned, that you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck in the process. So that's kind of how we do lesson plan feedback uh, in my school. And then, like I said, Encore. Sometimes I get the short end of the stick. You know, we might review encore lesson plans every other week or so. What's what's encore? No. So encore classes. We have a what nine encore classes: PE, health, okay. uh, vocal music, band, uh, college and career readiness, uh, family and consumer science, project lead the way, computer applications, and art.
1: Gotcha.
0: So exploratory classes
2: so so doc here's my question to you who 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 guides you as a leadership team when it comes to this uh f- the feedback that you give to your your staff is it uh are you working with a contractor to do that yeah uh, you-
0: so we were doing it i was doing it based on stuff that i've learned previously you know previously working with um lsi in my previous district so i took a lot of those skills and brought them with me and trying to you know train you know my my uh leadership previous two leadership teams this is my third one uh you know it's third times a charm though we, we killing it now uh but now we have we have a we have a contract this year with learning science international where they they come in and they do pd with our teachers a six hour pd session with our teachers around something so basically the first one that they just did was around setting up the uh, classroom with routines and procedures that will lend itself to rigorous instruction and they basically did the whole six hours around that they had them do some anchor charts they had them do some, some teach backs like David talked, like how are you going to introduce these things to your kids on the first day of school, second day of school, and all those things like that. And then they're coming next week with to uh, meet with the admin team, with my instructional leadership team, and we're going to walk classrooms. And they're going to say, hey, here's what you should be looking for. Here's what their lesson plan says. Here's how you see the evidence of what's going on in the classroom with that. So here so basically, we went into the classroom. They were supposed to be doing X, but they were doing Y. Here's the feedback that you need to give them to get them back over to X. So that's kind of you know where we're getting that from. And like I said, it's, it's, it's it's not cheap at all. I mean, it, it's, 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 it costs a pretty penny to get this PD. We,
1: we ain't got money like that over there at the <laughs> summit because we are, we are a charter school. So, you know, we don't hit our enrollment. We don't, Now let me stop. Let me stop. But, <laughs> but this is why it's important as a leader that I, I have to either have the capacity, have APs that have the capacity or get the capacity. That's why coaching teachers is so important. So that's why we get out at 1.30. Every single Friday and twice a quarter, we have no school on Friday, so we can have all day PD, so we can go through these things. But again, I, I even feel like when we do get to that point, when we got eighty to ninety percent proficiency, you still gonna have to turn in your lesson plans. You still gonna have to do it two weeks in advance. You still gonna have to um, give feedback, right? All those things you are still gonna do a practice clinic because it, at the end of the day, your work doesn't stop until you get hundred percent right but it
0: should be that way because that's what it took to get you there why would you change the the, the plan if that's what got you there if doing the practice clinics if doing the two if that's the, the plan that got you there once we get there we don't change the plan as soon as you change the plan you don't get
1: the same results anymore yep and we do got a wait list to put that out there <laughs> we do but see you got so
0: you should be able to go ahead and get that uh, contract with no the no, no no
1: i gotta pay teachers bro because listen <laughs> the district down the street <laughs> they paying a teacher with the same amount of experience eight thousand dollars more. So I got to package up this Tinley, this Timley Summit job, like it's the best thing ever. So I got to offer. I got to tell you, look, you ain't gonna find a, a principal as, as dope as me that's gonna coach you like me. You're gonna find kids as amazing as mine. You're gonna find yo. Know, I got to do all those other things. Cause you you mean in Indianapolis. Indianapolis,
0: though? All those things in Indianapolis.
1: Yeah, that's Indianapolis. You, like,
0: they, come, they come to grab you know, it's stiff competition.
1: Right, but in <laughs> Indy, listen, Ooh. because the, like I said, the school down the street, man, $8,000 more, and you ain't got to do lesson plans. You ain't got to do lesson plans. Uh, school gets out at 3 uh, o'clock. You get out of school before Memorial Day. We started school August 9th. We don't get out until June 10th, okay? That's our school year. So think about all the things I got to do, but I'll say this. I ain't lost a teacher. In the five years I've been there to making a lateral move. So knock on wood that I don't happen this year, but that's the type of work that I got to do. Because again, man, $8,000 is a lot. It's a whole lot divided by 26 weeks.
0: And it, it, that's, that's crazy. It ain't happens that way because here charter schools pay more than the district school, man. I wish. So it's it's, <laughs> it's, the, it's the flip side, but, I told it, I told two teachers that went to charter, left to go to charter schools at the end of last year. And I told them, one of them, I knew about the charter school because I interviewed to be the principal and I looked at some of their stuff. was like, nah, this ain't, this ain't going to be the place for me. Um, but I, that's what I tell you. All money ain't good money. Mm. And they've been in school for two weeks and she already talking about some, hey, if you got an opening next year, can I come back? But I got this rule. Once you leave, you can't come back.
1: I oh, don't be like that. Hey, I wow. want to be back.
0: Wow.
1: What? Once you, you leave, You can't
0: come back. back. It's like you, that? Right. You, like, the gra- you, he- thought the, you thought the grass was greener on the other side. Go ahead and live your best life. And bro. man, sometimes you got to bump your head. Yeah.
1: You, sometimes you, you got to touch the iron and know it's hot. Right. But I ain't got a bandage up for you. Wow. So, hey, wow. we'll take you back over at the... Hey, if y'all <laughs> left Grandview and he didn't bring you back and you good, holler at your boy.
0: <laughs> so, if, if they was good, they wouldn't make him lateral moves.
2: This is true. That's true.
0: That's true. So... Uh, so let's let's uh, we we only got about you know nine minutes left, so I want to talk. Let's talk to teachers. So we talked about you know, we talked about the parents, uh, <laughs> we talked about administrators. I can't say
1: <laughs> <laughs> he's been doing this all show, man. Oh, that got wow,
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the level say it ain't so. Listen, if you so. if you've been following us, if you if you followed us and been with us uh from the jump, <laughs> we used to be the AOS podcast, so Alpha. Omega, Omega So that's where the Greeks coming from. I know some, some new folks just jumped us with the engaged that don't know we have, you know, a fraternity background. So that, that's why that is funny to us and probably some yeah. folks that been following
0: us. <laughs> Unk been a hater since day one. he been a day hater <laughs> since day one. Right? You know, something. Like I said, if it's been working this long, you know, he ain't trying <laughs> to change the formula. So <laughs> so let, let's kind of wrap it so just talking to teachers, uh, you know, and just kind of giving teachers, you know, some 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 advice uh and i'm just gonna make mine short to kind of start out with and we can kind of you know pinball out here mine is don't go to teacher pay teachers next (laughs) (laughs) wow why not what's wrong with teachers pay teachers what's right with it teacher pay teachers is is not (laughs) research-based
1: but but they had to be creative to get it to get it put together Let, let me real quick this is the best thing about teachers pay teachers i got a bunch of nice black history posters that are in our hallway from Teachers Pay Teachers. And shout out to, uh, I think her name is Stacy or something. She got these dope black history. They were only $2 for 12 posters. So I just want to say thank you to Teachers Pay Teachers for okay. those things.
0: You, you can buy some posters. Don't go out there buying lesson plans. Because I guarantee you, <laughs> those, lesson plans you buy, those lesson plans are units. You buying from Shamika. Shamika only got 12% proficiency in her class. Shamika probably ain't even a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Shamika a pair. <laughs>
1: Hey! Shout out to the uh, parents. I don't condone wow. that one. Wow! Learn.
0: I wouldn't hey. go touch that. I wouldn't.
1: Tom Bob, we backing out of that one. <laughs> we are backing out of that one. No, hey. But my advice to teachers is, uh, kids gotta learn. Kids gotta learn. So this is the profession that we chose because I know you'll be upset if your doctor gave you half-ass care, or your lawyer gave you half-ass represent you know representation. So we can't we can't use that because I would be upset if my doctor said to me. You know, COVID's hit me really hard, Mr. McGuire. I didn't get the chance to look at your chart. So the same way you want your doctor to look at the chart, teachers, look at your lesson plan before you walk in there and know it like the back of your head.
2: Okay, so y'all go curriculum. I'm going to go to the, the wellness side. Your kids aren't going to learn from you if they don't think you like them. If you don't care about your kids... If you don't show them, because you know, if you, if you don't love your kids, and love is the action word, if you don't show them that you love them, how are they gonna learn from you? And and I think that kind of wraps up what I wanna say.
1: To hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I'm with that. Uh, kids don't hey, learn yeah. yep, from people they don't like. Absolutely. Shout, shout out Rita Pearson. Shout yeah. out. Yep. Pearson. So, <laughs> hey, hey it, who, Monique Smith. Hey, Mo, shout out to you, Monique. You been hey, monique, the monique, Johnson. monique been in the comments hard, man. So shout, shout out to Monique. <laughs> And that's real though, it's, if it's gonna be hard, it better be hard on the grownups and not the kids, man. Sh- shout out, mm. for real. Hey, that's my other thing is, is for teachers
0: is, and we started it out, you know, and Dave gonna get the shirts made for us is, I need you to go hard from 810 to 310. You know what I'm saying? You know, you are gonna get your wellness, you are gonna get your, you know, wind down Wednesday, you are gonna get your, you know, final Friday celebration, all that. But from 810 to 310, I need you to go hard for kids. You know what I'm saying? Whether that be building relationships, whether that be instruction in the classroom, um, And I feel like those people that have been in education that came back this after what we've been through, mm-hmm. you got to really be in it. Your heart has to be in it because if it's not, why put up with this? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a firm believer that education is the hardest career out there. You know what I'm saying? The stuff that you have to put up with, working work with people in general mm-hmm. is difficult. You know what I'm saying? So- yeah. I need you to go hard from 310 or from 810 to 310 or from 745 to 315 or from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you work at Tenley Summit, don't worry, you get Friday off, though. You get-
1: half day Friday, half day Friday off. You get a half oh, day Friday.
0: <laughs> but yeah, I need. I just need you to go hard for kids. I need you to go hard for kids. because, Like like David said, we got to accelerate this learning. We got to accelerate this learning that, that kids that have missed out on. Um, you know, it, it, It's a state of emergency and we got to yeah. do what's best for kids. More now more than we ever had.
1: You said it, man. Listen, I mean this any any teacher, uh paraprofessional, because you guys are valuable assets to schools. Don't want to put it out there that you wasn't. Principals, anybody that works in the school, tomorrow when you go to work, I want you to go into a classroom. I want you to stand in the front of the classroom. I want you to in this moment be the stage on the stage. I want you to look look across at those beautiful basis, with the mask on, hopefully, Jesus Christ, in front of you, and I want you to understand that th- that in front of you is somebody's whole world. That is the most precious gift that they have on this earth, and you have an obligation, you have an obligation to do everything you can to educate them, keep them safe. So tomorrow, my, my challenge on this show, and this is my final thought, and I end I my part with this, step in front of it, go in front of a classroom or every classroom, if you're a principal, Take about 30 seconds and look at those kids and realize that's somebody's whole world and the most precious thing they have. And they will give anything in that world for that child. And if you don't believe that and if you don't feel that weight, that pressure, then you're in the wrong profession.
0: Hey, real quick, shout out to the support. I'm going to give you my final thoughts later, but I do want to shout out to the support staff because I'm a firm believer that secretaries and custodians run the building. Like that's, I firmly believe that there. And Ms. Woodrow, who's in the comments, is my administrative assistant who I put up against anybody in the country as an administrative assistant because you don't get the Dr. Smith without going through her.
1: Let's go. Them gatekeepers. (laughs) You need them.
0: So
2: are we going to final thoughts or we?
1: I'm game on. I'm done. I'm listening. I'm listening. fellas. You know, he don't
0: follow directions. (laughs) (laughs) So you could, you could talk to teachers and then wrap, then just jump into your final thoughts and I'll get my final thoughts and we can, uh, Talk about our next episode, which I'm super geeked about, because we finally got this ironed out for this next episode.
2: Nice. So, you know, to, to teachers, uh, you know, I, I've said my piece a little, but you know, I, I think just like David said, you know, you, you the challenges you have laid out to us administrators is is to realize, that of you each day, you have the future, you have someone's present right now. And they're devoting everything that they can. I mean, I I have conversations with with families quite a a bit. Folks feel comfortable reaching out to me and they they express their concerns, their cares type of thing. So, you know, teachers understand um, who your kids are, you know, what their needs are. uh, Put that extra time in. Um, You know, we talk a lot about curriculum and we talk a lot about teaching and learning our students have to be doing those things in our, in our classes. But again, they have to know that you care about them, to you know that you don't just think of them as a grade, uh, that you're you not just caring about the grade, you're caring about them as individuals. So, so to, to take those extra steps, whatever it needs to be. If it's a little bit about your personal life experience, if it's asking some questions that aren't necessarily uh, in the lesson, do what it takes to show those students that uh, you co- that you care, that you love them, and that you're there there to see them grow, not just achieve something specifically, but to grow each and every day. And uh, and my th- final thoughts, you know, my clo my closing thoughts is um, as always, I am really thankful to be a part of this group. Um, I put it on social media. You know, I, I usually don't you know shout myself out, but um, you know, just another piece of paper uh, that as a recognition of the hard work that we do um you know I'm I'm on that journey to to getting that that getting those letters behind my name but you know over the summer completed one 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 journey uh, just a, a certificate um just you know for the 21 credits that I earned during the pandemic along with remote learning with my students so you know setting the pace setting the tone uh that's, that's what we do as educational leaders and so um you know they I think it's important that we continue to model that learning, that lifelong learning for our, for our communities, for our families, and, and you never know who's watching. So, so, so do it, you can do it right.
0: We might change the show name again, you know, once y'all get y'all to die, we'd be three doctors on here. So we might come up with something different. Uh, so my final thoughts uh, really is, is not education related and, and, and mostly um, be a little bit transparent. So last, uh, this past Saturday, um, I had to lay the rest one of my little my neos. Um, this young man who had a phenomenal impact on the people around him at uh, you know passed tragically um, from a car accident and at a, at a, at the young age of 28. Um, and it was a very difficult uh, you know thing for me to do to see this young man, but to see the love that he got at that. I mean, we were at a church. I don't know how this, many this church is, but it was standing room only. Um, and to hear men that were 50 and 60 and 70 years old get up and talk about how he impacted their life um it's something that was just phenomenal to me to see that he he was able to pack more in 28 years of life than most people pack in 78 years of life um but one thing that he that that i, I read based on the accident thing like that that really struck me and i'm really being transparent here i'm a kind of person i don't really wear a seat belt just you know it's, it's just something I, I didn't do but when i read that he wasn't wearing a seatbelt in this accident it triggered something in me um to make like I, something i need to do you know to, for my own safety and stuff like that but i say all that to say you know i need people to cherish life i know it's, it's a lot going on with the pandemic but the people that's close to you you know a lot of the grudges and stuff that we hold it really ain't worth it at the end of the day um you know um like, like life is short and life is very short um i appreciate this show it really kind of like said, it brings me mad energy uh we, we talk a lot um outside the show Uh, We do work outside the show as well, so it gives me a lot of energy. But I just want to, you know, tell everybody, you know, no matter what you're going through, trust me, um, it could be a lot worse. Um, you know, we just look at stuff going on around the world from Afghanistan to stuff going on in the Caribbean and things like that. There, so uh, just cherish life, you know, and and live your best life. Um, that's kind of my final thoughts, but then I do want to talk about September the 22nd, which is going to be our episode 24. We've been trying to work on this show for about three months now, um, and we talk about the two percent. Of black males in education Um, and we have some dynamic young black men who are undergrads working on their education degree Um, they're going to be teachers going to be phenomenal educators one day that we're going to have on the show so basically episode 24 um, grooming the next generation of educators is going to be an amazing show so mark your calendars now september 22nd i'm telling you we got some dope young men that's going to be on here to really talk about why they chose the field of education and really so that we can as the you know the older statesmen in this career field know what it takes to recruit more young black men to come along so go ahead and uh mark your calendar september 22nd episode 24 grooming the next generation of black male educators it's gonna be a dope show uh we appreciate y'all rocking with us for episode 23 if you need to see episodes 1 through 22 please go check out the youtube page or subscribe to the podcast you uh, you gonna get a lot from the aos all the way through the engage and you'll see how uncles a hater all the way from episode one uh with that we out of here go mob exactly.
1: Peace peace no.